Hi, welcome to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. We put out weekly messages to challenge, encourage, and inspire you. You can send any questions or prayer requests to connect at perryhall.life. If the message speaks to you, go ahead and subscribe for more. All throughout recorded history, humans have fought and given our lives for the cause of freedom. Wars have been won and lost over the independence of a territory or nation. The truly amazing part to me is to think about the people who gave their lives for total strangers. The people who died so that we could be here this morning as a free nation. They don't know me. And they did it. It's a level of bravery I can't understand. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Obviously, Jesus is foreshadowing what he's going to do in the scripture. In the context of today, I say it makes Jesus the ultimate liberator. He set us free if we want to be. He laid down his life for you, for me, every person who ever has or ever will live. Amen? But he didn't do it to change laws or topple governments. As a matter of fact, many people of his time wanted him to be their political Messiah, and he had no interest whatsoever in that. He came to guarantee us that we could be free forever. The kind of freedom Jesus offers is so much bigger than a government or a nation. We can be free now. We can be free forever. Mark 8, 36 says, What good is it for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? I think about that verse a lot. There are a lot of things that we can fight about in the church. And sometimes I think we like to. And some of these things are important. But as in general, as human beings, freedom is such a core idea. And we are willing to fight and scrape and die for freedom in this world. Why don't we fight just as hard for the kind of freedom that comes from Jesus? The kind of freedom that sets us free forever. True independence from this world and our own sinful nature. Independence to me is a powerful, exciting word. Someone says you're an independent person. Feels like high praise, doesn't it? It makes us feel strong and courageous, intelligent, sharp, and just overall put together. It is natural to want to be an independent person. Amen? Let's be honest. We don't want to rely on anybody. That is our natural state. If someone says you're dependent, on the other hand, it almost feels like an insult. (laughs) To be dependent feels like we're incapable, weak, helpless, just a burden on society. We celebrate one word, And we look down on the other. But what if we can and we should be both? Independent and fully dependent. Are you tracking with me so far? There's a lot of things you can be independently. You can be independently employed. You can be independently wealthy or successful. You cannot be and no one has ever been independently a follower of Jesus. That comes only through faith and complete and total dependence on him. We should be independent from sin, bad habits, and moral behavior. 
But that freedom only comes through being completely dependent on God. Have I confused you enough yet? We have to be both at the same time. If you tell me that you don't need God or you don't need anyone, you're still depending on someone. It just happens to be you. And maybe you know yourself better than I do. But if I'm the only one I'm depending on to get myself through this life and especially into the next one, I am in a bad, bad place. I am happy to say before you right now that I am completely dependent on Jesus. I need him. I need him for my salvation. I need him for my daily life. I need him to figure out the simple things sometimes. Your freedom doesn't come from you. It doesn't come from the church. Me, Pastor Dom, it doesn't come from your good deeds. The freedom found in Christ is only found in Christ. If you want to stop falling into the same temptations, can we be honest? We won't. No one's going to scream anything out. I'm going to go first. If you've ever had a sin or a temptation that you just keep going back to and you have a hard time breaking, just be honest. Raise your hand. That's pretty much everybody, except for Neil. I love you, Neil. <laughs> but if you want to get rid of those things, you want to stop hurting yourself and hurting the people you love, you got to depend on him, not you. It doesn't come down to you. Now, if all you're looking for in church and in this Christianity thing is a get out of hell free card or spiritual fire insurance, this needs to be a completely different message. But if what you're looking for is real salvation and spiritual growth, and I'm telling you, you have to depend on him. Just like when we took communion talking about the cross, that's where it begins. You got to put him in charge. I know that doesn't sound right. He has to be in charge of your every decision. It's against your nature, I promise. It was against mine, but he has to be the Lord. He's Lord and Savior. He's both. You got to make him Lord of your life, put him in charge. And why does it feel like such a bad thing to need help? You ever thought about that? It feels like you're less than. And more importantly, why is it so hard to trust God? And I have a theory, at least one idea why. Maybe it's difficult to trust God because you've spent your entire life depending on undependable people. Maybe it is difficult to see God as a good father because your father on earth wasn't. Maybe it is hard to imagine God or to picture God as a friend because you can't depend on the friends you have here on earth. Maybe it's difficult to see him as Jehovah Jireh or God the provider because everyone that's supposed to provide for you in your life never did. No matter how hard we try to avoid it, we tend to equate our relationship with God with the relationships we have on people. If we have a good dad, we see him as a good father. Bad dad, we see him as a bad father. It's not okay, it's not healthy, but it is natural. And if that's you, if you spent your whole life in that situation, first let me say, I am genuinely sorry that the people who are supposed to be there for you hurt you instead. I want to acknowledge that, that's real. And I also want to say, as hard as this may be for you to believe, God loves you. He will never fail you. He won't abandon you, mistreat you, or abuse you. Can we agree on that, church? Amen. So if we want freedom, we absolutely have to depend on God. I want to go to John 15, 1 through 5. Read along with me here. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You were already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It's clear as day right there. Just in that short passage, we are meant to depend 100% on God to get through this world and especially to call ourselves a follower of Christ. Do we agree on that? Some of that language in there is terrifying. Branches being thrown into the fire and branches that are fruitful getting pruned. I mean, that, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> if you're doing a good job, why do you have to get pruned? Because that's part of, the, part of the process. That's what makes a plant healthy and it's certainly what makes a Christian healthy. Everyone in this room will take our last breath fighting some new sin or new struggle that we just discovered. And God is the good gardener. He will continue to prune us all along the way, but we are supposed to remain in him. That's a command. Here's the good news, and I didn't, this didn't come from me. It was, a, it was another pastor, Francis Chan, I heard talking about this passage. He said it should be good news because this makes it easy. You don't have to do all the work. You just have to remain in Jesus, get in the word, pray, talk, listen, cultivate that relationship with Jesus, and he'll bear the fruit for you. It's not on you. All throughout scripture, he makes it easy. He's the shepherd. We're just the dumb sheep. I mean, it's just who we are. We, all we got to do is follow, remain. But all of that implies depending on God. We certainly depend on God for forgiveness. Now, in this church, everywhere I've been, you hear John three sixteen a lot. I love here that 17 is always, almost always included. So let's read those two together. John three sixteen and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So there it is. We get, we get forgiveness, salvation through Jesus. Now, 17 is great, though. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you hear me right now, he wants you to have a relationship, period. Jesus didn't come to make sure the favorite kids get in. He didn't come to make sure the really good preachers get in. He came to make sure everyone has the same chance at that forever kind of freedom. That's the whole purpose. And we have to depend on God for forgiveness. We have to depend on God for our future. Scripture says that we make plans in our heart, but God determines the steps. We have to depend on him for our future, the rest of this life, and the life after. It's one of my favorite scriptures in all of the Bible. I want to go to John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Sorry, my southern accent comes out on some of those words there. Comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now we know the enemy wants to tear us apart. That's all he thinks about day and night. Jesus said he's come that we may have life and have it to the full. That doesn't mean after you die. That starts right now. If you're a follower of Jesus, if you know Jesus, he wants to make this life better too. Do we agree on that, church? I think it's, a, it's something that we, a trap we fall into. I know I did. Like you get saved and we'll figure all that stuff out when we die and get to heaven. No, he's making you a new creation now. He's making me a new creation now. We have to depend on God for forgiveness for our future and our present. There's nothing the enemy would love more than to have you live your life on earth in total bondage. To continue walking in the same sins you've always walked in. Not to grow. Not to start living life to the full. So depend on God. I think we can agree on that. Maybe difficult sometimes, but we can agree that makes sense. This one is going to be tricky for some of us. We're also meant to depend 
on people. <laughs> Even if you don't like people, and if you're in this room, you know who you are. You just rolled your eyes or someone nudged you. Listen, that's a good trait. It sounds so angry and grumpy. My wife's one of those people. <laughs> we moved to Florida and we were starting at a new church many years ago and our first dinner out with the pastor and his wife and family he says, Jen, tell me about yourself. She says, I don't like people. <laughs> okay. And that's a good reaction because, you know, what, what is she talking about? They're here to serve in a church. What do you mean you don't like people? Knowing her like I do and something I've learned from her, what she really means is she has discernment. She knows who she can and can't depend on. She's paying attention to your words, your actions, when you show up, when you say you would, when you don't. My wife is not a person who will hand you the keys to her inner life on your first interaction. Doesn't mean she hates you. Doesn't mean you have to go through all these steps. She's just watching and discerning. She's looking at your life and the people around you to see if you can be trusted. So when I say you have to depend on people, do not walk out of here and say, Pastor Josh, I have to trust everybody. That's just not true. But you need to find those people because people are an important part of the process. They are part of becoming free. They are part of your faith journey with Jesus. You need to depend on people, even if you don't like them. You need a couple things right away. You need accountability if you're a believer. Now, I grew up in a church where that is nothing but a buzzword. You got an accountability partner? Yep. What does that mean? It means we eat a cheeseburger every once in a while and talk about nothing. But that's not how accountability works. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Sometimes accountability is just brutal. If you've ever sharpened a blade, I know Mike knows, there's friction, heat, metal shavings flying. That's what accountability looks like when it's done right. And it's a two-way agreement. I can't walk up to you and say, hey, we're going to be accountability partners. Nope. You got to be part of that decision. And when you make that decision, you got to make sure you're going to actually hold that person accountable and let them hold you accountable. I'll tell you about my best friend, Mark, who I grew up with. I love Mark. He's a believer. We grew up same school, everything. And I thought it'd be a good idea to have Mark as my accountability partner. It's not because we cut each other so much slack. It's insane. I could call him on the phone and say, I'm 100 miles an hour right now running from the cops because I robbed a liquor store. And he said, all right, I'm going to pray for you. Love you, man. See you later. <laughs> That's not accountability. It's love, but that's not what accountability looks like. There's no metal shavings. There's no friction there. You need that. You need accountability in your life. You also need to depend on people. We should be able to depend on each other for encouragement. It's not just the hard stuff, the accountability. We should be regularly encouraging each other. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says this, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day approaching. You guys heard of the five love languages? Words of affirmation, physical touch, quality time. There's a whole list. I'm a words of affirmation guy, and I've learned that it makes me feel dumb <laughs> because it makes me feel like a golden retriever where you can literally walk and be like, hey, good job today. Oh, I'm happy for like a week. <laughs> But encouragement comes in all forms, and we're meant to encourage each other. Back to accountability, I know that I can walk into Pastor Dom's office, and I can say, here's a sin I'm struggling with, and he's going to walk through it with me. He's going to be honest. He's going to be brutal, 
And in that very same breath, he's going to encourage me. It's all part of the process. We can't just beat each other down. And we can't just give each other a free pass. It all works hand in hand. We need to depend on people also for care. And what do I mean when I say that? I want to go to James 5.16. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. My band uh, played at a lot of youth camps, youth retreats, stuff like that. And we were playing at one when a guy spoke on this message. And we're backstage. We've already played. We're listening to the message. And he talks about how when he read James 5.16, a light came on for him that we ask God for forgiveness, and that's done. You're forgiven. But part of the healing process, an important part, is confessing your sins one to another and praying for each other. Because it takes you right into that territory of accountability and takes you right into that territory of encouragement. There's something about getting it out in the light, again, with someone you can trust, someone you can depend on. I'm not saying go out here and tell everyone your, your darkest secrets, but you need someone. He said that he had struggled with the same three or four sins for most of his life, and he had three or four accountability partners that he told everything to except for this list because he was too shameful. It hurt too bad to think about someone knowing that. And finally, he read this, and one day he just got up the nerve, and he called all his accountability partners one at a time, and he went down the list. He said, here's things I've never told you. And every last one of them said, me too. He had held that in so long, and they'd all been struggling with the same thing when they could have been helping heal each other. I heard that message, and I grabbed one of my bandmates. I said, we got to talk. And I said, here's something I've been struggling with for the last couple years. And he said, me too. There's so much shame in the idea of being honest with people about where we mess up. And I don't know where that comes from, but I know it's natural. There are things in here right now, each one of us probably has something we're struggling with that we just feel like we can't tell anyone. Know that you're not alone, okay? I'm going to throw out some crazy sounding stats here. Baptistnews.com says that 68% of church-going men and 50% of pastors view pornography on a regular basis. Debt.org says the average American has over $90,000 in debt. Addictioncenter.com says at least 21 million Americans right now have at least one substance addiction and only 10% of them receive help. Those are some of the big things, right? Maybe you're carrying something that doesn't sound that big. Maybe you just stopped reading your Bible. Maybe you don't take the time to pray. Whatever it is, whatever you're dealing with, I promise Scripture tells us to confess our sins one to another that we may be healed. Ask God for forgiveness. He takes care of that. I want to go back to this. I want to tell you a story. And it's, it's difficult, honestly, to be this open, but I'm going to do it. 2002, I moved to Maryland to interview. Well, I didn't move yet. I came up to interview for my first ever church job. This pastor named Dave, I didn't know him from anyone. He gets up and he opens up his message like this. He says, hey, church, uh, most of you know, if not all of you, that I struggle with a porn addiction. And last night, I, I didn't click on a website, but I almost did. And I want you to know so that I can get that out there and not be tempted. And my brain broke. And for a good 10 seconds, I was thinking, does he know his mic is on? <laughs> we heard that. But Dave did some things there. He took all the ammunition out of the enemy's hand. All of it. You can't hold a secret over someone's head when it's not a secret. He took a huge further step towards freedom, and he didn't know it, 
but he was setting 22-year-old Josh free too. Because at five years old, I found an adult magazine and it became part of my life. I'd never even heard those words together. Porn, addiction, that doesn't make sense. But when he spoke that day, a light came on. And you're talking about, I grew up in youth group. I went to Bible school. I was there interviewing for a church job. But by him being open, confessing his sins one to another, he was walking in freedom and he was setting me free. So I want to have the prayer team come up right now. Again, no one's judging you here today. Not here, not now. What you need to know about these people that will pray with you, they are in agreement with us. What you say to them stays with them. Done. They will simply pray for you and ask God to set you free. I know we're a little early. We're doing this on purpose. I want to give you some time. They're here. They're open. You can stand in line if you need. We'll get more people up here if we have to. We want you to be free. Not just in this country. I want your soul to be free, unburdened. I want to take the ammo out of the enemy's gun. If you can't do it now, if you simply cannot work up the nerve to stand up and walk up here, okay. Don't let the sun go down tonight without finding someone you trust. Text them, call them, doesn't matter. Show up at their doorstep. Get it off your chest. Be done with it. Be done with it. Let's pray. Jesus, we need you, period. The enemy wants us to feel shame and pride and confusion and to hold on to all the things we poison ourselves with, but you want us to just let go. Forgiveness is ours. Healing is ours. So I pray right now, you move in this room. You speak to us. You let us take the steps towards true freedom. We love you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for checking out the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. If you want to know more about our church, go to perryhall.life.